0: Now, if you know how the movie ends it wasn't too late for Darth Vader but the whole I mean, this is where this whole story gets really really Christian and not so much Buddhism or Taoism or any of that kind of stuff because in the end Darth Vader's cell phone goes off <laughs> and all right It happens to everybody, even to oh, it happened to the the mighty man of God. All right, where was I? Um, oh yeah. So here's the, you know what? I don't know how it rubbed you when you first saw the movie, but uh, in short, Darth Vader goes to heaven at the end. The bad guy goes to heaven. This whole story is about redemption. It's not fair. It is not fair. On his deathbed, Darth Vader goes to heaven. Yeah, he becomes one with the Force, but then he's got like this ghost thing. It's all Christian stuff, folks. He basically kind of has a new body, he becomes his, his young self. He becomes his true self. It isn't fair. Like, if you were to take Darth Vader's soul and if you were to put it on a scale, like all the really mean, nasty, horrible, murderous things that he did to people, the control, the manipulation, the power, the death, like it would be over here. And some of the good stuff he did, like when he was 10, I mean, it, dude, the dudes, I mean, if this was karma, he'd be going to hell. He didn't do anything to earn his salvation on his deathbed he said all right i will choose good it's watching i always admit to watching these shows that i probably shouldn't watch but i was watching ancient aliens the other day which is (laughs) i mean it is i mean i don't know why i watch this show to tell you the truth i just think it's Entertaining, I don't know. It's the guy with the hair, I think, that gets me in the fake tan. Uh, but I'd love the show anyway. I think it was this show, and they were talking about the concept of hell because no one in our in the secular world wants to talk about hell or the the existence of evil or the devil or the dark side. They don't believe it even exists. They don't believe in hell, and um, it was you know somewhat decent, but. One of the guys, and I believe that he was a theologian, he was at least a philosopher, and he said, um, the the theology of grace is not fair, and I don't like it, and I'm not going to subscribe to it. He says, because I know people who have murdered children, and they deserve hell. So, yeah, I'm not going to buy in on grace. <laughs> and this is what, this is like, It is the grace of God that we get. It doesn't doesn't matter how many horrible things that you've done or if you blew up a planet with the Death Star. (laughs) Right? Darth Vader's Hitler, folks. And he gets to go to heaven. It's not fair. All right. Luke does something. I know he's, you know, Darth Vader's son and all that kind of stuff. But Luke does something that we're actually required to do as believers. He looks at this evil, wicked machine of a man, and he's able to see inside of his soul. And what does he say? I know that there is still goodness inside of you. I know that you can be redeemed. And Luke Skywalker believes something about Darth Vader that Darth Vader doesn't even believe about himself. And as believers, we're required to do the same thing. The first, the, the first. Um, Lesson that we learned about a couple weeks ago, we need to begin to have right beliefs about ourselves in order to kind of get our foot off the ground. We've got to quit believing the enemy's lies about what he says about us and about our lives. We need to begin to, all right, what what does God believe about me? I would rather believe what God believes about me than what I believe about myself. So what what does the Bible say about me? What what does God believe about me? And can I put myself into alignment with that? That That was part one. Part two is what do I believe about God? Do I really believe that he's good? I mean, I can say it from an intellectual point of view, but in my heart, do I really believe that God is a good God and everything that he does is for my benefit and that is for good? Or does my circumstances and, and you know, maybe even relationships with my earthly father, has that somehow tainted my, my relationship with my heavenly father? Where I, I think that maybe he's not so good, maybe he's kind of mean and nasty. And then just, what does the Bible say about God? What does God say about himself? Do you actually believe what God says about himself? And to boil it all down, if you were here last week, what does God say about himself? God is, He's love. God is love. And today is probably going to be, it's going to be the best message of the year so far. So we're only a few into it. What do you believe about other people? Do you believe what God believes about other people? Like this is the hardest thing that we that we do as believers because we don't trust other people. We're, by nature, by sin nature, we're selfish people. Even when we read the Bible, uh, we think that the Bible is a self-help book and we think that it's about us. It's not. It's about God and it's about other people and how we relate to other people. And what will, what will destroy our lives faster than anything else is having an improper thought about other people. All right, get your Bibles out. We're going to look at this, this verse again. This is the key verse of the whole series. Sec, uh, two Corinthians. <laughs> so, so naughty. All right, two Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know. I'm not supposed to do politics from the pulpit, but. I don't care. All right. I stop it. I like Rubio. There, I said it. What are you going to do? Put me in jail? All right. Two Corinthians. I can't leave it alone. I have improper thoughts about Donald Trump. I'll admit it. Confess my <laughs> sin right now. All right. <laughs> All right. right. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And we demolish arguments. We demolish arguments. Isn't that nice to think about? Do you demolish arguments or do you start them? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take, we take captive every thought and we make it obedience to Christ. Every thought, every little impression, impulse, desire that pops into our head and, or makes us emotional, we capture, that. we capture that thought before it takes control of us. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And make it obedient. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are looking only to this, on the surface of things. If anyone is content that he belongs to Christ, he should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much. For even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord has given us for the building up rather than the pulling of down. So if we're going to boast about something, we need to be boasting about the pulling up and not the tearing down. Does that make sense? Okay, so the knowledge of God is the knowledge of what God believes about himself, but the knowledge of God also includes what he believes about other people. And you don't believe what God believes about other people. You don't have the same heart that God does for other people. But we need to. Now, you know, in, the, in Bible land, there's this word, there's this, um, you, know, the, you know, the spiritual gifts. There's the supreme spiritual gift is that of prophecy. And this is probably one of the most confusing words. We have no idea what it means. We link it to Nostradamus, and we, think we link it to John the Revelator, and we're just, like, freaked out about the whole concept of prophecy. And yet it is the supreme gift. And what do you know what, the, what prophecy actually does? Okay, there's foretelling and there's foretelling. So the, the, the foretelling is telling the future, so the prophecy that, uh, that, that, that John the Revelator was able to tap into, like he, ha- he saw what was going on in our world today. Some 2,000 years ago, like God turned the TV on for John the Revelator and he got, to, he got to see, you know, Apache helicopters blowing things up. That's what he saw. And then he kind of like flying scorpions that are stinging things with lasers. So... Yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? So there's, there's that type of prophecy. And then there is, uh, there's a foretelling and there's a foretelling. What is going on right now? And, okay, repeat it again. God is what? God is love. And the spirit of prophecy is going to express God's love. And, all right, so let me just boil this whole prophecy thing down. We all do it. We just don't realize it. Whenever you have compassion, whenever you have God's heart for somebody, whenever your heart is breaking for somebody, or you have the, this weird desire to encourage somebody, that's the spirit of prophecy. And if you do it, you are prophesying. Did you know that? Because what's he say? We can, we can boast about building up and not tearing down. So the spirit of prophecy that bears witness to Jesus Christ is that of the building up. I've given. I've been given a lot of, of prof, prophetic words that have torn me down. I've gotten three prophetic words. I kid you not. Prophetic words. I mean, I'm not taking them seriously. That that like somebody was going to kill me. Three of them in my own lifetime, my own ministry lifetime. Guess what? I'm still alive and kicking, folks. <laughs> it didn't happen. And they embarrassed them themselves. And they, had, you know, they. So why? I'm sure i am probably die someday, so they're somewhat right, you know? They didn't have my best intentions in mind. They didn't love me the way that God loves me. And you begin to love people the way that God loves people, and then you're really going to tap into his heart. And then you can build people up instead of scaring the daylights out of them with some weird word that you think that you got. I'm going to tell you where this word comes from. It come, Those types of negative, controlling power-tripping, witchcraft, evil words, they don't come from the Lord because they don't build up. They tear down, and it comes from the pit of hell. That's where it comes from. Trust me. I get all kinds of negative words about you all day long. They're all wrong. (laughs) Where does this come from? All right. Um, The greatest... Evil in our world we 're going to be talking about two things, and there 's a nuance in them. You might think that they 're the same, but they 're actually different. The greatest evil in the world that I believe that, that that men and women, but humanity does against each other, the greatest evil that we do is racism, because racism says that you are less than you are not worthy, you are subhuman, and racism is an evil that um, I can't pastor people through. I can't do it. Like, I cannot teach people to get out of, how to not have racist thoughts. Like, that takes Damascus Road-type power. That takes resurrection power. That takes a complete transformation of the individual. The only, re- the only way that you can break out of racism is if you become a new creation. That's the only way. So I can't teach you out of it. I can't preach you out of it. I can't give you seven steps not to be a racist. And, the re- I mean, we've had... We've had the spirit of racism in this church. We ran it out, and if there's any more in here, we're going to go in the, out in the parking lot. And we'll take care of you. You're not. <laughs> I, I, I All right. We'll take you over to their parking lot because I don't want to. I don't want to beat you up on holy ground. But uh, uh, we can't do anything about it. And when I, you know. Uh, it, you know, when you grow up in an environment, you don't necessarily see the mess. So, growing up in Southern California, you didn't really know. You don't really know that the racism exists. You see it on TV, but you might not be living in it. You know that there was cliques in high school, but you didn't. You know, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't really affect you that much. Uh, when I when I moved to Charleston, South Carolina, wow, what I I lived in full blown racist communities. Freaked me out. It gave me a different perspective when I came home to Southern California. You begin to see things differently. You can see it. It's a, it's a principality. It's a real spirit. It's a demonic force behind racism. So there's that. It is, the, it is every negative, nasty, mean thought that you've ever had towards somebody comes from that spirit. Did you know that? So I'm not saying you're a racist, but that's the seed of it. Now, I can't fix racism, but I can fix prejudice. Because prejudice is nothing more than ignorance. Prejudice is nothing more than... You know, experience, and then we build around we build a belief system around an experience that maybe we had with a with a person or a group of people or whatever, and we we, we build a, a you know a system or a a, a world view about a a pinpoint experience, and we prejudge. Okay, so you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So there's a difference. Here's the thing: we all do prejudice. We can't help ourselves. We all prejudge. You are you are judging me right now, and you don't even realize that you're judging me. You don't. But even like subconsciously, you are you are you're coming to some determinations about who I am. They're all if it's good, they're all right. Um, <laughs> I am really good looking and smart, and all those things are completely true. Um, <laughs> All right, you guys remember the first day you came into church, the first day you walked into these doors? Remember? It's awkward, huh? It's really it's difficult to do. It's so weird to, 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 to come into a new environment and to be new. And when you do, you are judging everything. You're judging every person you see. You're judging every, you know, every little stain on the carpet, all the stuff that we've let slip through the cracks. You've honed in on it. And I don't know, maybe I didn't get enough sleep the night before and I preach a dumb sermon. It happens. Um, And it's like, yeah, that that pastor, I just don't trust that guy. He's just kind of shifty-eyed and (laughs) lazy and slacker and doesn't know the Bible. And we just begin to... Did you know that within 60 seconds you have have judged somebody that you've known? When you meet somebody for the very first time, within 60 seconds you've already determined your belief system about that person. Whether you can trust them, whether they're going to be your friend, whether they're a cheater, whether they bury dead bodies in the backyard, these are all the things that we begin to imagine about people when we first meet them. And... Here's the here's the thing. Like if you if you judge somebody wrong in that first sixty seconds where you encounter them, you know, and if it's a if it's you know maybe they had a bad day. You ever have a bad day where you have a flu and you get judged poorly? Yeah. You know how long it takes to undo that judgment? About two years. About two years. To redevelop that belief system that you have about that person. Church, um, church growth folks, they say that you need to hone in on a specific target audience. If you're a white Anglo-Saxon 20-something-year-old guy, that's your market. And you can't minister to anybody else because that's what the stats say. That's what the data says. That's what the experience says. There's a big, huge problem with that, though, folks, because that's not what the Bible says. So I'm going to choose to believe what the Bible says about his church. You, hear, you see where I'm going with this? I'm going to choose to believe what the Bible says about his bride, and we're going to build a church around what the Bible says about his bride rather than what statistics say. church. We have a really cool church. It's hard fought for. We're multi-ethnic. We're diverse in age. Economically, we're diverse. It's a -a one-of-a-kind church. That's why we're able to do the things that we can do. And it was hard fought for. Years ago, we actually merged two churches. When my dad, became, when my dad you know, brought the Vineyard Christian Fellowship here to this location, we merged two churches. This, it was 1998 or 99. 98, right? Yeah. 1998, we merged two churches. He used to be the associate pastor here, started the Vineyard. 15 years later, we came back and we merged two churches. Um, that's hard, it's a hard thing to do. So we, we had two churches, two boards, one building. This building was in foreclosure. It was days away from being bank-owned. And we had two co- different cultures, uh, church cultures, that had to come together. We had the guys on the Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> and we had the Assembly of God guys in the suits. And I kid you not, we had, we had legitimate um, uh, church consultant experts that say it's impossible, you can't do it. It will not last. The whole thing's going to fall apart, and you're going you know, to be losing the building again in a few months. It's not possible. You can't do it. But you know what they did? They looked past the Hawaiian shirts, they looked past the suits and ties, and they saw the gold inside of each other. Does that make sense? And it saved the church because they didn't allow prejudice to taint what they thought about each other. This church has been here for 35 years. And in those 35 years, this is the only church in this city that believes that God can heal bodies. Uh, just a year and a half ago, we have a new pastor in the in the city. he 's the second one. There's only two pastors in the city that believe in the charismatic gifts that all the gifts are for today. Now, what would have happened if if Elder Spiker and my dad did not get along? right? What what would have happened if all they decided to do was look at each other's dirt instead of building each other up, they decided to tear each other down? What would have happened? The enemy would have won. All that griping, all that complaining, all that whining to the Lord. Um, I believe it was Graham Cook said it. uh, The women's ministry is doing the study on Graham Cook. And he said that Whining and complaining is the devil's worship music. Who chose not to do it? Who chose to look at the golden people? See, it's difficult. Sometimes it's very difficult to be a pastor or a counselor or a therapist or somebody that works in trying to help other people. It's very difficult to do because the temptation is in our human nature. Our human nature is to, to look at the ick, the, the bad things, the, the things that are... Um, you know, that make the tabloids, the dirt. We like dirt, right? Don't you want to know the dirt? It's fun. And so if you want to help people, your temptation is, okay, there's the dirt, and let's go look for some more dirt. Let's just move your dirt around, and we're going to look for some more dirt, and once I get bored with that scandalous dirt, I'm going to move it around, and I'm going to look at some dirt over here. But see, that's not what Luke Skywalker does. Luke Skywalker looked for the gold in Darth Vader, even though there was mounds and mounds of black dirt. And can you do that? Oh, well, Josh, you don't understand who I'm working with. You don't understand my friends, and you don't, you don't understand who hurt me. All right, get your Bibles. I want, I want to show you Paul and how Paul does it. Because Paul, had a, he had to deal with difficult people too. He had to deal with people that prejudged him. He had to deal with people that did not trust him. He had to deal with people that, he did, that did not like him that, that, that came up with some prejudged notions of who he was. And this is how he handles it. This is what he does. Um, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1. I, don't I got some more sleep last night. Okay, uh, to the Church of Corinth, to those. Okay, I want when we read this. Okay, try to filter out how religious this sounds. I want you to pay specific attention to his language, to the specific words that he uses. This is his introduction letter to the Corinthians. Listen to the, his word choice. Okay. to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Jesus Christ and called to be holy together with those and and those everywhere who uh, call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given to you in Jesus Christ. Do you start off your conversations with people? I always thank God for you. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all of your speaking, in all of your knowledge, because of your testimony about Christ who was confirmed in you. Therefore, do not uh, therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await for the Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who called you into his fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord is faithful. Okay, now let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians. His introduction, again, written to the same people. To the church of Corinth, together with all of the saints throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion. See, he has a proper belief system about God. He believes what God says about himself. God is love, God is also compassion. And the God of all comfort. God is comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with any comfort with ourselves we have received from God. For just as our suffering of for, excuse me, just for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are distressed it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. Here we go. And our hope is for, for you is firm. Our hope for you is firm. Are you dealing with somebody difficult? Can you say that? Can you believe that in your heart? My hope for you is firm. I want the best for you. I'm hoping the best for you. Because we know that just as you are sharing in our sufferings, uh, you also share in our comfort. Okay? Okay. And then one last one. We're going to look at his introduction to the Philippians. I thank my God every time I remember you. So automatically, when he remembers somebody, he is capturing the thought. Sometimes when I remember people, I don't thank God for them. (laughs) Right, Right? When people come to my mind... That's usually the last thing that I say is, oh, I thank God for them. They're such a blessing in my life. (laughs) When was the last time that happened to you? But you see, Paul has the ability to hold captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So when people pop into his head or when he writes a letter, he says stuff like this. I thank God for you. In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership with the, in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of, our, of Christ Jesus. I know God started a work in you, and I know it's been a long time, but I have hope that it will be carried out to completion. Don't give up on that dream, you Philippians. All right. Now, if I was going to write these letters, this is how I would write them. Dear Corinthians, I hate your stinking guts. You're materialistic. You're selfish. You stabbed me in the back. You decided to follow Apollos, Apollos instead of me. Don't you remember how much time and energy and money I poured into you guys, you losers? Thanks a lot. That's how I would introduce my letter to the Corinthians. And furthermore, you Corinthians, what's the matter with you? One of your leaders is sleeping with his stepmother. That's disgusting. What's the matter with you? That's how I would start the letter. This is why I'm not in the counseling ministry. (laughs) You did what? What's the matter with you? You're Oh, in the letter to the Philippians, the joy book. Here he is. He's he's chained around a column in a cesspool up to his knees in human es- excrement. Oh joy. Oh you Philippians, I love you so much. All right. Uh, like, you know, I went I had this hernia operation uh, over you know through Christmas this season, you know. And okay, how do you do? But let's be honest. How's your attitude when you're in pain and when you're tired and when you're grumpy and when your nerves are on edge because you've had too much medication? How's your attitude? And how do you feel towards people when you're in pain? Oh, joy. (laughs) Right? Right? See, not only is Paul able to capture every thought that comes in his head, he's over—he's able to overcome every circumstance that he is in, and he's still able to project joy, even though he's—he's in—he's sitting in human poop and he's chained around a, a, a log and he's going to die soon. Like he's going to die. That—that that is his—that's his reality. He's going to die a really miserable, horrible death, and he's writing this beautiful letter—the the joy letter to the Corinthians. Oh, joy! I would be like, Judea and Synthki, would you guys quit? I watch my language here. Um, would you guys quit nagging at each other? Would you quit whining at each other? But he doesn't start it off that way, does he? He sees them as saints. He sees them as completely different. He praises them. He strokes them. He, he builds them up before he points out that, yeah, your leader is sleeping around with his stepmother. That's not a good thing. And yeah, you guys are all divided, and you guys are you guys are gossiping too much, and you guys are following false prophets, and you guys are doing all kinds of really bad things. He doesn't do that. He builds them up. What do they? What do we call it? It's a, it's two strokes and a poke, right? You know, yeah. This is what you do with your kids. You know, you oh, you're so good, you're so good. Now I'm going to spank you. Um, <laughs> is that what you do? <laughs> What do we believe about people? Here's the awful truth. Like if you stepped across the line of faith, you have to go to heaven with me. (laughs) And that other person that hurt you and wounded you, right? Or you went through church pain with somebody. They're going to be in heaven. (laughs) Like, well, Lord, can you put my gold mansion on the other side of the great city so we don't have to see each other? (laughs) It doesn't work that way. That's the, the power of the thought of the mind. All right, let's just take God out of the equation. Let's just say you want a better life. Let's just say that you want to be successful you got to quit whining. It doesn't work. I mean, Luke Skywalker figured it out. Ep- episode, what is it, four? He's whining, he's whining his head off. And by the end, he's like this really cool Jedi master that's able to see the gold and even the worst of people. Whining doesn't work. Like, if you really want that promotion, if you want to advance in your career, this is, this is 100%. This work, you just quit whining around the water cooler. Quit whining about your boss. I know it's hard. Um, When you pass your boss in the hallway, I don't know, maybe he just got chewed out by his boss. Maybe he can't make budget. Maybe he didn't get any sleep. Maybe he had a a fight with his wife the night before. And you pass him in the hall and he grunts or moans or something. And then you automatically prejudge that experience and you think, he hates me. He's going to fire me. We're enemies. And if you keep doing that, and if you keep doing that, and if you keep doing that, if you keep on believing that that your boss doesn't trust you and he thinks the worst about you or maybe this is going on in your home and with your spouse, guess what's going to happen? It will come true. This is the other side of prophecy. It will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The Bible is very clear. As a man thinks, as a person thinks, so they become. And you just can't just walk out of the room today and say, okay, I'm going to start thinking good thoughts. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes the transformation of The renewing of the mind will transform your life. But it takes time. You will have to commit not whining. You have to commit to not tearing somebody down when you feel like you need an advancement. All right, right. I'll save that for next week. You feel like you need to get ahead and the only way that you can get ahead is by tearing somebody down. That's not the better way. Maybe I'll talk about it next week. There's a better way. Darth Vader gets to go to heaven. <laughs> so unfair. God became flesh, he became two dimensional, like he left his glory to experience every pain, every sorrow, every emotion, to be rejected, to be stabbed in the back, to be tortured. And even at the point of torture, even at the point of ridicule, he was still able to see gold in everybody. And it was a joy And it was a pleasure for him to go on the cross for you and for me and for that Roman soldier that whipped him and for the thief that was on the left and the thief that was on the right. It was his pleasure and joy to die for us so that we could escape the spirit of religion and the spirit of politics. If I have the ushers to come to the front. And the band. And as they're on their way up, we're going to read it one more time. For we demolish, every, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought. And we make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your body is complete. Lord gave us for the building up rather than the pulling down. I just pray that you see your brothers and sisters in a different light this week. I pray even that you see the ones that are lost that don't know the Lord. I pray that you see them in a different light this week. Begin to believe about them what God believes about them, not what you have predetermined about them based off of an impulse or based off of an experience or whatever. Believe what God believes about them. Not only will it change your life, it will change everybody's life around you. You will be infectious if you can start pulling out gold in people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you so much for your active spirit in our lives that gives us beautiful gifts, the gift of healing and the gift of prophecy and the gift of compassion, the gift of hospitality. God, we most of all, we just thank you for this gift of grace that you've given us that we get to receive. So God, we, God, I receive your grace freely today. Forgive me for trying to earn it. Forgive me for trying to even out the scales. I choose your grace, God. Thank you for believing in me when I didn't believe in myself, God. Thank you for believing in my brothers and sisters when no one else did. I pray right now you bless this offering. You just continue to bless this church. In your name, Amen.